You're right, guys. Welcome to Jesus Unfiltered, Durham CU's new podcast about how we make sense of Christianity in the modern world. I'm Joseph Knight, a third year studying history at Durham. And I'm Judith Holmes, a second year theology student. In this podcast, we want to chat about 21st century issues in a Christian context, have a look at what the Bible has to say about them, and join in with some important conversations. In this season, we will be looking at student culture, politics, science, identity, the environment, racial injustice, and free will, and how those issues relate to faith in Jesus. To aid us in exploring these issues, we will be joined by some really incredible speakers each week, including MP Tim Farron, Krish Kandaya, Rachel Gardner, and more. Today we're joined by Miriam Swanson, the Global Student Mission Lead for Fusion, a UK-based movement that helps university students find hope in Jesus and a home in the local church. And she's here to help us explore student culture and what Christianity has to offer the social media generation. If there was any, ever a time that we needed hope and we needed life-giving, transformative power and love, it's now. Yeah, hi Miriam. Thanks for uh, for joining us today. We're really excited and um, to see what you've got to say to to um, yeah to speak with you. Um, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Cool. Yeah. No. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Miriam. I'm actually calling you guys from Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I moved here literally a year ago yesterday. So um, I've actually I'm obviously born and raised in the UK. I've been working for a movement called Fusion, who help local churches reach uh, university students predominantly in Europe and now obviously a little bit further afield. So um, my sister lives in Durham. She studied there. I did my master's in Durham as well. So uh, Durham feels like uh, an extra home. And um, yeah, so it's good to chat. It's good to picture you guys in that ancient city um, because there's been some very cool memories there. And it's been an amazing place to to study, an amazing place to then call home afterwards for my sister. So um, if you're listening in and you've just started at Durham, then a strong choice of university from you. You should have a really good time. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so like you said, you've been um, working with students for quite a while now. Um, how in that work, um, as you spent time with students, have you witnessed um, our generation um, potentially learning and responding differently um, than older generations? Yeah, I think um, something that's been both exciting and necessary over the last sort of 10, 15 years has been there's had to be a shift in the church and with sort of parent age groups around realising, hold on, young adults aren't just your regular adults. (laughs) We basically, it's quite niche. Like there are some ways in which people are growing up where their 20s is becoming as much about formation and identity as their teens in some way. Now, that wasn't true for grandma. That wasn't even really true for mum and dad in the same way. But lots of things have moved on very quickly generationally, which now means if you're kind of listening and you're a student, you're right in the middle of still figuring out who you are, what you believe, and actually deciding the kind of adult that you want to be. You know, your faith will be sort of poked and prodded at university. You will want to stretch some of the things that you've taken to be true growing up with. And equally, if you've been without a concept of God being close and knowable and loving, university is also that time of going, okay, well, is there more to life than this? Do you know, genuinely, are there reasons to have faith and hope beyond some of the things I've been raised in as well? So recognising that young adults and students um, are their own age bracket and life stage with their own giftings and you know, millennials and Generation Z, if you're a fresher, you're Gen Z now, whereas I'm smack bang in the middle of the millennial territory. 
Um, we've um, we've gone through the explosion of the digital age. Uh, you know, things like cyberbullying even wasn't a thing only a few years ago, and now it is um, absolutely prolific and awful, and a huge area where we need kind of wisdom and discernment and boundary. So we're dealing with a whole bunch of us experiencing things that nobody else has. That you know, also I'd say Generation Z and um, millennials to an extent, but Gen Z even more so. Like your age group, even more so, really care about justice, really care about uh, expressing their faith, and uh, that means how they care for creation, how they love their neighbours, not just what they think academically about Jesus. Um, I think there's quite a lot of kind of entrepreneurial, um, imaginative, and inventive coming out of younger generations people are getting famous overnight on the internet that's new that's not something my mum could do and that is happening with 14 year olds it it helps people kind of realize they can make their own business they can make their own youtube channel they can create their own identity or brand online you know there's pros and cons to that but there's so many things which means we're a little bit different and so working out how to follow Jesus in that kind of jungle is both an adventure, but it's also some brand new sort of pioneering territory. So, yeah, that's kind of why I love working with students, to be honest, because I'm like, this is all like new. This is all like really interesting. Um, yeah. How are we going to grow up? What are we going to do with this one wild life we've been given? Really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And you spoke a bit about within a faith context and how that looks, how the way we practice faith and even the way we like, interpret the Bible and live out a Christian faith. Um, is so different for our generation. Um, Are you able to talk a bit more about in a church context, um, how this affects the way we practice faith and the way we worship? Um, And I guess particularly over the past few months um, through COVID, um, church life and fellowship has looked so different. And it'd be really interesting to talk a bit about how actually that's affected our generation as well. Right. And I think this is you know, this is one of my passions. This is why Fusion exists, really. We really want churches to be relevant places for students to call home, including students that are still exploring the very idea of Jesus, as well as your ones that have been raised uh, following him and knowing him for all their days sort of thing. And um, just recognising um, the need for genuine relationship and authentic um, friendship and a sense of family, uh, not... Um, not entertainment or sort of front-led, I will put on something for you as a 20-year-old. Actually, for us to feel a sense of belonging and home, basically we want to participate. We want to be known by name. We want to actually know each other. We want dialogue. I mean, I would even say students, as much as um, currently with COVID and the way that the world is sort of groaning and shaking in some very tangible news headline ways, we know that there will be a swerve towards um, we need to go somewhere that's very good at being very certain about what they believe because everything around me culturally feels uncertain. So I know that there can be a tendency, particularly in your early young adult years as you're just trying to find out who you are, to go, I will go for a church that can give me the right answers because I really don't know what's going on. Whereas actually for the long haul, um, Rather than looking for right answers, I'd encourage students to look for a community that isn't afraid to ask better questions. And it's not that there aren't some really clear, strong answers. Jesus himself was like unashamedly saying, I am the way. Like, I'm really am the way you're going to walk this thing out. I am the truth. Like when everything else seems uncertain, I am my person and my presence will be true for you. And and, um, I am the life. Like you really will find what true life is in me. So he was in some ways, he was very black and white, very certain. But in other ways, 
uh, if somebody asked him a question, he'd be like, let me ask you a better question. You know, well, who is my neighbor? Okay, well, let me tell you a story. Well, what is the kingdom of God like? Well, imagine a tiny seed. And so I would say um, churches don't need to have the best brand, the best music, the best front-led experience. You need to be real. You need to start knowing people by name. You need to walk alongside people, have them around your, your house and at the kitchen table. Share tea time, even if it's chaos with your kids. Share it with students. Students, don't be afraid of families. They actually are interested in you. It's just that you're in such a different life stage and you need to do a little bit of walking across the room to get there. And be okay with a space where people basically ask questions. Be okay with doubt. Be okay with wrestle. Be okay with honesty. And be okay with prayer, even when there aren't clear answers to some of the things that you'll have been going through, particularly in COVID. Like people have actually lost people in this season. You know, a bunch of you guys listening didn't finish school properly. You didn't even get to say goodbye properly. You kind of felt like, you know, for some of you guys, particularly Durham students, maybe you didn't even get to do your exams and you're probably the kind of student that would have nailed them. Like, you know, Durham's one of the top unis. You probably worked very hard to get there. And there's an element in which we're going to have to grieve some things that we've lost in this time. And a church that can be honest and relational enough to do that with you, to not just be like, it's happy, happy Sunday, but also be like, let's talk about real life and, um, and where is God in the dark? Let's ask that question because it's been a bit of a tough season as well. You know, that kind of authenticity, I think that in the end, young adults, is it real? Not is it a good show? Did you win me well? And is the crowd having a good time? But am I seen? Am I known? Am I loved? Is there space for me? That's, that's really important. Really important. Yeah, like I, I, I totally agree with that. And, and, and a church that's going to be authentic, a church that's going to be real with you and, and with students um, is so important for, for our development, both for the development of people who have been Christian for, for ages, but also for those who are exploring it. Um, and obviously right. the problem in, oh, it's, yeah, it's an issue in, in uni towns um, is there's, there's often a, a student bubble uh, and, and it's quite difficult um, for students to um, almost to mingle with res- residents. I mean, it's even harder now when everything is on Zoom, everything's right. on, online. What, what, um, what do you think churches, you know, church residents, but also students can be doing to, to cultivate that community, that sense of, of a, a community that can right. grow? That is such an important question. I'm so encouraged you've even thought to ask it. The town-gown divide which is what we kind of call it in the UK, is particularly big in Durham. Um, You you know, like, so generally that is a thing. Um, In Durham specifically, I think it's one of the most shocking differences in your um, local population and the Northeast and the context of of the Northeast experience of basically generational unemployment after the mines closed and quite a lot of um, a depressed economic context mixed with your brightest and your best from around the whole country who are, you know, by and large, statistically, you're more likely to have more money behind you. And um, that can be a real problem. And I think the local church and people who love Jesus and therefore understand love your neighbour, I think, I think you guys are basically the best position to build that bridge, to reconcile what could be a massive tension and a real problem for both locals and students in terms of tribalism and being against each other. And, you know, so I I think one of the only places where you can truly get to know your local residents and, and make friends with people that sound like the place you've gone to study is the local church. It's one of the reasons I love working with churches is because you really will get a Northeast born and bred Durham 
bloke sat next to a first year student bloke from Surrey and they'll have a chat. And I'm like, that is such a gift. You know, there are ways that the stu- students, you guys can sort of step outside of your bubble. Not only are there local sort of social action projects, there are food banks for you to serve. There are, um, you know, I, I mean, particularly Durham, there are actually lots of cool little projects that maybe work with refugees or work with the homeless community or work with those coming out of addiction. You guys have got lots of prisons nearby you. So there's also a context in which you can help those coming out of incarceration and beginning to sort of restore their lives. There are ways in which you can get involved and begin to hear people's local stories and experiences and also realise it isn't, let's make the lovely Durham students come in and save the world, but actually how about get your hands dirty and realise the level of resilience and perseverance of some of the people's stories that you'll meet will it challenge and inspire your discipleship. And then equally, you know, serving our local churches is a really good way to make sure we don't stay in a student bubble. Gosh, I remember kids work. It sounds really silly, but honestly, like serving kids in youth work and stuff, meeting people that aren't early 20s was such a relief. Just hanging out with someone that wasn't my age and stage, getting to know the families through that. And in Durham, just recognise the city isn't your campus, even though it feels like it because it's so tiny as a city and the campus is so all over it. Um, love your neighbour really does look like not leaving a takeaway on the street at two in the morning. It does mean respecting the local businesses and trying to support local, not just some of the chains that you know. You know, it, it really does look like working out, okay, well, if there is a community meeting about something, what would happen if a student decided to go, not to represent the rights of Durham students, but to listen? There are ways, but I, I do, I'm grateful that local churches exist as home for students because they also, they're also very local and in fact, through the local church, I've seen lots of students choose to stay in their university city because they've actually felt like they belong. They've not just visited to get a degree and then go again. That's why I stayed in York, basically the local church. I was like, I actually feel like I could live here and I have friends here that aren't just campus-based. And that was a very important transition for me into my young adult career, as it were, away from campus, was that I've made friends through the church with people that had but I'd made that city their home, not for university. So, yeah, I think it's important and useful. Yeah, and, and, and another, another thing that obviously students and, and young people generally struggle with is, is social media and, and, and kind of being distracted by it, but almost glued to a screen in your hand. Um, but like how, you know, we're talking about this, this model of, of um, church and, and Christianity where you get your hands dirty. You know, how does... How do the so you know phones, social media, and um, you know all all of that? How does that hinder what we want to achieve? You know what Jesus wants the church to be. Social media is a funny one, isn't it? Because uh, at the end of the day, it's not it's not going away. Technology is here, and you guys are actually digital natives. You 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 probably you know I mean gosh, kids now you can actually sort of they swipe a book, and you're like, no, sweetheart, you actually just have to turn a page like it's natural paper so there's an element in which you guys it is your extra hand you know how it works you've been typing you've been swiping you've been working out how to do this thing and you're better than other generations without training because it's now intuitive to you so to pretend that it's all the devil and we need to ignore it because it's hindering the work of god is isn't it just isn't true like and we know of course that this presence of god um is everywhere and in you god has not left when you logged on to instagram but how you are an ambassador of Jesus, how you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, that really should influence every area of your life because you're one whole person. So I should be able to recognise, you know, Joseph on Instagram, I should be able to recognise you in real life as the same bloke. You know, what you say on Twitter 
I would like to hope that you'd be able to say out loud to somebody face to face. I think we do have an issue with a bit of dualism around our discipleship. People have multiple social media accounts. So they've got their squeaky clean one that their parents follow, and then they've got their other one that they only let certain people follow. I see a lot of that where I'm like, gosh, that's actually just not healthy for a soul. Live a double life. Like you are made to be one person and whole and joined up. So for some people, fasting social media is an important and regular practice because it just reminds, it reminds that whole power and influence and anxiety that comes with being able to be contacted and having to update all the time. It reminds your soul, your spirit and your phone who's boss and you put it in the right order. So I think taking a tech Sabbath every week is a really smart idea. I think switching off for a day, uh, you watch your anxiety levels decrease when your phone's in airplane mode. Just obviously tell your mum, I'm not dead i'm just turning my phone off or whatever like whoever you think is going to freak out but honestly i think it's very important to keep in check do i control it or does it control me because addiction is high on tech and it's wired for it it's made to try and addict you so but it's out to do that um and then secondly um just recognizing if you are in a space where you are representing yourself your life and speaking just like you would in person how are you an ambassador of jesus I mean, for me on social media, I try and think it through. Um, is it about Jesus? Is it honoring of others or is it funny? They're my three sort of checklists around. Otherwise, why am I sharing it? Like if I'm showing off or doing a humble brag, it's not brilliant, is it? If I'm venting my frustration, probably not very fruitful. If I'm passively, aggressively saying something about somebody, no, go to them directly. That's not cool. That's not healthy. The only thing that gets me into trouble is my, is it funny? Because sometimes something I think funny is funny. My mate will text me and be like, take that down. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> That's why we've got accountability and mates. But um, generally, I, I know that who I am on social media is who I am in real life. I write like I talk. And my school friends, you know, a lot of my friends who aren't followers of Jesus, there's no discrepancy between uh, me talking about Jesus on Instagram and me talking about Jesus face to face with them. They know who I follow. They know what I'm about and they know that I'll pray for them. And I've loved in the, in the COVID season, seeing people use digital mission um, to invite friends to try church because you can live stream to do a little watch party. I've seen lots of people change their status to be like, I'm just going to pray. So if I believe in prayer, I believe it works. Message me or comment below if there's something specific I can pray for you today and you do not have to be uh, to have a faith of your own for me to do that and I've watched people use the digital world for mission in really authentic relational ways and I think cool good for you like if you're going to be on it like do it for the glory of God um, and, and, just, and be real which means you've got to come to terms with who am I online offline in real life did you know yeah absolutely I think it's really good that you were talking about how as much as social media can be such a damaging place um, for students and for young adults it can also be um, such a good place to witness and bless others. I know I was really struck actually, um, you were talking earlier about how um, we are a generation that um, is really passionate about seeking justice and seeing restoration. And actually with the rise of things like microblogging on Instagram, I know I've um, seen so much talk of um, seeking justice and taking action over Instagram that I don't think I ever have before. And it it's really cool seeing actually right. a rise in how we do use our Instagram platforms and seeing Christians at the forefront of that is so important. Um, I think it's really great. Um, yeah. And it's a good first step just to say it isn't the end of activism. 
you haven't become an activist and become anti-racist because you blacked out your screen on holiday. Yeah. But it's a start if that was something that you felt led to do with integrity. So then my question is, how are you doing the work behind the yeah. scenes? You know, that's where that you've got to live one whole life. Don't just post, do embody your yeah, posts. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know? um, and I guess thinking about um, our generation and the time we spend online, um, we have become and we are a generation that does spend a lot of our life scrolling and buying and um, where everything is available at the click of a button, which is something so new. Um, is this a reflection of the world God intended for us? I mean, we can't pretend that we don't know anymore, that we've basically created the world like a landfill site. Like, um, our, the cost of consumerism, I mean, you know, even the fashion industry having basically poisoned the planet, um, drained whole lakes and people's livelihoods and fishing businesses just to create enough water to make jeans, let alone the human cost of... Um, essentially modern day slavery as people are in forced labor conditions and without proper uh, provisional protection in their employment context to make our clothes like we know that this whole thing has got messed up we know that it's not the world that god intended and we also i think this is a really important example of how sin is not just personal i messed up it is global consequences of humanity as a whole. Like when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I'm not just praying, forgive me for when I had that thought that didn't honor you or your creation. Forgive me when I said that, that is actually damaging to somebody. I'm actually also saying, forgive me because I have blood on my hands from the trainers that I'm wearing and I didn't even know. It's a mess, it's huge, and consumerism is eating us alive. It really is. Um, it really is damaging the world. We know that the planet is on fire quite literally at the moment. And so um, I think actually one of the, I decided a long time ago, but for me personally, I decided um, I'd never really get into online clothes shopping because um, I could just see how it could become addictive. I could see how it could become a waste of resources. I could see how fast fashion would take you to the cleaners with what you could scroll. I didn't want those adverts on my screen. Um, and so because of COVID, I've not been, I've literally not been shopping in what, six months now. And, um, it's been a really important detox. And moving to America, I had to stop. I couldn't buy anything because I knew I was about to have to literally give my life away to like two bags. But when you move detox, what needs to go to a charity shop and what do you not need to keep buying more of when you get into that uni room? simplify your life you will actually travel lighter physically and spiritually by not over consuming so i've actually really enjoyed not needing to buy anything because we've just been at home like i've not even you know i've not needed to go to any formal events or any of the normal things where you now and again like gosh i actually need to get a new top for that or whatever i really haven't had that and i thought gosh i bet the planet is breathing a sigh of relief i bet the planet's breathing a sigh of relief that we've not all flown around the world this year because um, we can go anywhere, we can get anything, and you can almost get it within 24 hours. And I don't think that's healthy for our context of learning how to wait, how to uh, long for something and hope for something. And I think that hopefully we can have a little bit more of a judgment around the consequences of our travel and things like that. Because as we begin to, as some of those things begin to open back up, we've got a chance to work out 
do I need as much as I was doing beforehand? Do I want to live as fast a life as I was living? Do I want to, you know, do I actually need to have flown here, here and here? So it's, it's costly, but I th- I'm not sure it's a, I'm not sure we can afford to keep behaving the way we've been behaving with consumerism with a click of a button. Certainly not for like, I mean, us lot are inheriting a burning world right now, let alone any future generations. Like we're in trouble. Yeah, you, you mentioned there um, about, you know, questioning whether we want to live a life as fast as we are. And I think that's something that's really relevant for, for university, I think. Um, I, I myself, I remember last year in my second year, I was, you know, I almost burnt out because I was going to, you know, lectures all day and then going around someone's house, you know, trying to do billions of things in one day. And it's, it's, it's not healthy. And obviously yeah. we, um, as Christians, believe in, the idea that Jesus, you know, Jesus's way is, is one of the, the easy yoke. And, um, you know, how can we, uh, instead of focusing on, on consumerism and trying to do as much as we possibly can, and, um, you know, how can we instead rest in God and his creation um, and abide in him? Mm, so good. You know, practice that uh, my husband and I have been doing gosh I don't know how many months now um every morning has been centering prayer and we actually start with reading that scripture you just quoted abide in me as I also abide in you you know no plant can basically you can't bear fruit by yourself you've got to remain in the vine um as the father has loved me so I've loved you remain in my love you know so we would start with reading a scripture the same one about abiding about basically sit still be with him before you do anything be in christ and christ is in you and then we genuinely sit in silence for 20 minutes eyes closed trying to concentrate on our breathing trying to concentrate on coming to rest in who we are and god is at rest in us before we then do our working day before we have our morning coffee um that is a very hard discipline because you realise that your thoughts are like cats and they go mental in your head as soon as you actually sit down, sit down and be still. But it's also a very, a very strong way of reminding your body and your heart and your soul uh, the priority of the world, in which, you know, the last thing God made in his rhythm of creation was humankind. The first thing he did with humankind was rest. And then let's go and be fruitful. So the rhythm of rest is built into how we're made. And so I would, um, I would genuinely consider working out some kind of centering prayer that literally centers yourself on I am enough before I've done anything today because Jesus is in me and he is enough. I would genuinely fast tech a day a week. I would get outside, particularly if you're a Durham student listening, go outside. You have some of the best countryside within 20 minutes of you. Get on a train, go to Almouth, go to the bookshops and coffee shops, go for a walk on the beach breathe get out the city that will be good for your soul it'll be good for your body be good for your friendships get out and um the biggest thing i learned at university was priorities and and therefore recognizing gosh i mean i thought i was going to try and save the world i wanted every single housemate baptized by my final year of uni and i think we baptized what three out of 15 which is actually good going looking back do you know what i mean like i i totally carried everybody as if i were jesus and burnt out on it and had to have the Lord say, put everything down. I have big enough hands to hold you. Now, what is it I've asked you to do? Not what everyone else wants you to do for them, what you think you should do to be a good friend or a good disciple or a good student. What would I have you do with me? 
and just recognizing I need to prioritize my studies. That's why I'm here. Worship God in the work. I need to prioritize my good friendships, particularly those who, of my friends who don't know Jesus, because I'm not going to burn out in a Christian bubble. I can spend every day doing Christian activity. That's not healthy for my discipleship either. And I wanted to prioritize a key discipleship environment. In my case, I chose the local church and sharpened those friendships there. And then I did some stuff for fun. Played football terribly, but played it. Your extracurricular activities. Gosh, I mean, we served in prisons. We did theatre in prisons. That's such a, that's weird, but it's brilliant. Learning those rhythms, learning who is in control. Um, having a friend help you when you feel overwhelmed. Write your list down and have a friend go through it with you and go, what is actually yours to carry? You know, what, what has Jesus said? Yeah, yeah, we're going to carry that together. What have you literally just put on your plate and it's not even yours? What are you responsible for and what have you taken responsibility for? Um, yeah, stu the student years are a huge time to learn time management and priorities, but they're also a huge time to do spiritual disciplines and learn rhythms of rest. Prayer in the morning, read scripture. I mean, I read, we read scripture and prayer at night, um, but it, it really depends what works for you. Um, find your rhythms. Spiritual disciplines are disciplines. They feel hard and then they will honestly become your best friends. Like over years, you'll realize they are some of the key things that have kept me going. What felt hard at 20 will pay off by the time you're 30 in terms of like my foundations are good because I put that in place in quite a full on season of life. I think that's so true. I think what you're talking about, about how you come to uni and just learn the, how important it is to prioritise and the importance of rest. And I think for so many, university will be the first time um, you choose how you fill your day. You have full control over that. It's the first time you'll probably take your faith completely under your own wing. There's no one telling right. you to go to church every Sunday. There's no one telling you who to spend your time with. And I mean, I know for myself, I know for so many friends mm -hmm. that um, our first year of uni has been such a learning curve of how do I prioritize my time and learning that rest is productive. Um, and um, there's so much within that. Um, and yeah, yeah you shared good. so much great advice over the um, time we've been chatting. I was just wondering, obviously we're releasing this during Freshers Week. I imagine most people listening to this will be students heading into what's going to look like a very different year of university this year. Um, either what's your biggest piece of advice or um, yeah. do you have any advice you'd like to share for um, students um, this year? Yeah, great. I mean, firstly, just to say, if you're listening as a student starting, like we are with you, we're for you and we have been praying for you your kind of older brothers and sisters, we know that you've been through a hard time. We also really believe that Jesus um, doesn't waste anything, including grief experiences and including disrupted plans. You know, I really do believe you have an opportunity to be hope and to share hope with your friends who don't yet know Jesus. I really do believe that you can express your faith and find fullness of life, even in physical distancing and social restrictions. And, um, the scripture I've really been praying over students, I'll read it to you guys. It's Psalm 40. And um, I've been really praying this for you guys as freshers. Um, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And that's really my prayer is that you guys would know Jesus will pick you up out of the shaking and he will stand you firm, even if you're anxious, even if you're overwhelmed, even if you are uncertain about the future. He is not uncertain about your future and who you are. He will stand you on a rock. 
where you've had grieving and disappointment or insecurity. He wants to put in a song of praise and deep security and hope in Christ and in who you are as made by him. And I really do think this is a time to share your faith. Honestly, openly, vulnerably, with all of your doubts and fears thrown in, because you're not a dodgy car salesman, you're just telling the truth to your friends. But do share your faith, because if there was any, ever a time that we needed hope and we needed life-giving, transformative power and love, it's now. And so don't be shy to own the fact that you follow Jesus and you think he's actually good news for your friends, not just for you. Because um, I, think, I think we need him more than ever we need him so um, don't be shy at sharing it we've been both encouraged and challenged by what we've chatted to Miriam about today if you have any more questions feel free to go to the Durham CU website Instagram or Facebook page for more information join us next week where really excitingly we'll be talking to MP and former Liberal Democrat leader Tim Farron about faith politics and whether there's room for the gospel in the UK's corridors of power <laughs>